look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. Welcome to another edition of More Than Money on 770CHQR. Um, uh, Faisal away on holidays uh, this week. I'm joined by Andrew Massett. Uh, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, and thanks for having me again. Well, it's you know, twice in a month so far. I know it's making a regular occurrence. That's two. Good for you. Yeah, a uh, lot of fun. We got a cool show today. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about um, how to care, an option at least for caring for aging parents. A lot of a lot of parents. Uh, you and I have both been been through this experience personally. A lot of people mm-hmm. want to stay at home. How do you do that, and not? You know, destroy yourself, wear yourself down emotionally, physically, right? What What are some options? Well, and it's just not about seniors, Dave. This is about you know families that are having having um, you know loved ones that that need assistance. And right. how do we go around dealing with that? Yeah, we're also going to talk about um, there's some new research out, and it's, it's sort of a surprising number of Canadians who are potentially harming their retirements through their financial management choices, or just in fact not participating at all because they're afraid or they're uncertain or unconfident of their choice or um, their choices in investing. And we're going to have our industry regulator on talking about this research. And we need to, again, as industry guys, we need to continue to educate people to help them be confident and and make the most out of what they can in their retirement. Absolutely. And you know what? Not giving anything away, but some of the, the, the results that I saw and what's gone on with, uh, with, with the industry is just shocking. It is shocking. So, okay. Um, you know, we got a segment one often we talk about uh, about the markets and what's going on. What, what a wild! This was a really interesting <laughs> week, I have to tell you. Uh, now, for full disclosure, we're taping this show uh, before market close on Friday um, because of some commitments we have on Saturday. So, uh, by the time you hear this, right, uh, some things could have uh, have changed by the end of Friday day. But at the time of us uh, talking, the 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 morning on Friday was astounding to me. The week's setup was interesting. Lots yep. of big stuff. Uh, we had a Fed uh, interest rate uh, decision. We had the Bank of Canada speaking. We had uh, a UK uh, vote, mm-hmm. right? Uh, federal vote. We had um, uh, um, trade talk, like the, the trade well, tariffs, right? The next well, round of tariffs were coming up on Sunday. And trade talk all week. It yeah. wasn't just one day. It's been consistent the last couple of weeks. But a deadline. Like yeah. there was a deadline where additional... U.S. tariffs were going to be uh, imposed on Chinese goods on Sunday if something mm-hmm. didn't get done. So this was a week where we started out uh, things, markets were very flat the first two or three days because of the uncertainty around yes. some of these things. And that makes sense, right? No investor really wanting to make a big position bet uh, anywhere or another. No. And then things started to evolve. And we get to Friday morning and um, exceptional. I was in here in the office about, I don't know, quarter to six or so. And just getting caught up on the overnight events and what the the week looked like, and between call it you know six o'clock in the morning and when trading started at seven thirty in the morning, you know we had a deal signed. Yep. Then we had news from President Trump through a tweet that the reporting on the the deal was totally wrong. Then we had a Chinese delegation speaking about the deal, which said there was a deal, and then there was. Lack of detail and what the deal... It was incredible. And the markets were bouncing all over the place trying yep. to absorb all this information. Um, and it's a frightening a frightening situation well, for it's, investors. It's frightening be. that a Twitter feed can pretty move everything. Wow, we've seen you know, that for a long time. We've seen that for a long time. But, you know, in this particular case, we've got, let, let's face it, global superpowers yep. 
making um, choices on trade that has ramifications throughout the globe when it comes to oh yeah trade no, for sure and stock markets for sure now it, you know the good news is that there was actually some progress in reducing some of the confusion so when i was watching the trading on friday um you know wild again but the market had throughout you know wednesday thursday friday started to price in the fact that they were getting towards a phase one yep. deal right we actually did have in principle a phase one deal signed um, the, de the devils of the details and the markets were trading around that a little bit but again at the time of of um uh recording this what we saw is, again, generally kind of flat. Yeah. There was a bit of profit taking at one point, but generally kind of flat. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, depending on where the markets end on Friday, you, you, you could be fully priced. You know, we, mm -hmm. we could have priced in properly uh, what that deal meant. Or, you know, next week as we get some further detail on this, you know, you could have some trading around the fact that, well, it's not quite as good as I expected it to be. Or maybe it was a little bit better than I expected it to be. I mean, depending on you know, on what, whatever your thesis was, right? Yeah. But that's, that's, it was really fascinating to watch that. Now, having said that, there was a bit of uncertainty taken out because we did actually get some progress. Yes. Okay. Uh, we had the, the UK vote and we had a, a majority conservative government now has the ability to press forward with Brexit and Boris Johnson ran on a very specific mandate. As far as I'm concerned, that was a vote, a referendum vote on, on Brexit. Oh, it, it, it turned out to being exactly right. that. And now there's an opportunity for the British Conservative government to potentially um, get this thing through the House and before what? Christmas. Well, I, yeah. It's possible. It's possible. Let's it's go with the end happen. of January. <laughs> but even yeah. having said that, mm -hmm. the devil again is in the details. So Boris Johnson, although saying, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts, we're out at the end of, call it January, um, there's still the ability to extend if he needs to negotiate certain details around the exit, right? Or take yes. more time on that. So um, we'll see. But you did see the British pound, as an example, rally against all international currencies on Friday as some of that um, uncertainty was removed or from the system. Wore off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, that was interesting. The U.S. Fed probably, I mean, no expectation of a rate change, um, you know, prior to the meeting, and there was no rate change. Maybe a little bit more dovish in terms of their um, in terms of their communication, saying that they are you know, effectively uh, forecasting that they're on hold for yep. all of 2020. That was probably a little bit more dovish than what some market participants expected. You saw a little yep. weakness in the U.S. dollar, and Bank of Canada is still on the sidelines, and we saw some strength in the mm -hmm. Canadian dollar relative to the U.S. So all in all, you know, you look around, and it was um, it was an interesting week. Uh, I am hopeful that yeah. next week we don't walk into, uh, you know, a devil in the details on the U.S.-China trade thing that, you know, ruins everybody's Christmas, <laughs> okay? Because it's uh, one, like you right. said, we're one tweet away from, you know, Well, that's downs, right, and right? I want to see the Santa Claus rally continue. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, it is good. And let's talk a little bit about that, because as we move into 2020, it's interesting. We, we just talked about all these big political environments. I was doing some reading and taking a few notes, um, you know, prior to, the, to doing the show, and I think what investors are going to have to start uh, pondering as we move into 2020 is could the rally in equities um, continue and is it overdone is it baking in um, unrealistic expectations I mean typically we have to go to the fundamentals of profitability and so on and so forth right yep. dividend payouts to determine where uh, where equity markets should be um, what's the interest rate policy backdrop that we're going to be pricing these things in Right, so there's there's a bunch of decisions to be made 
Um, but as uncertainty comes off within yeah. the marketplace, yeah. so let's just taste take a, a position right now that you know we've got um, Brexit somewhat covered at this point in time because mm -hmm. you, you do have a majority in the House so mm -hmm. they can do something. Um, if, if the U.S. and China continue down their path, the, the expectation is there will be some sort of trade deal, mm -hmm. whether that's this year or next year, but there, right. there should be something. Right. Um, if we think about those things, you know, is there a potential for the market to move at a higher rate because we've taken some of those uncertainties that we've seen over the last couple of years out of the market yeah. um, and drive things forward because you know the, the market isn't terrible right now no no and i mean there's a lot of fear out there i said we're yeah. not you know I, uh, I was writing some notes here i said we're not in the recession camp here um but it, no. you could also say that maybe in general the market's been a bit optimistic about what uh profitability might look like in corporations well and, and so have we pushed that number up now and which point it stays or it hovers where it's at and they have to see some new data that's going to drive it further right um, whether that be um, employment data staying strong or maybe we see some wage growth to try and push that forward because ultimately when we look at mm -hmm. the u.s market in particular the consumer is king and so for sure ultimately without that consumer with the uh, dispensable income what are you going to do um, yep. You've got to have that pour back into the market without that. Well, that's been the strongest pillar. It has been. Right, of economic growth in, in all the developed world, not just in the United States and Canada, but all developed countries. The consumer has done their bit mm -hmm. uh, in large part. And, you know, companies, due to some, a lot of the uncertainty that we've had, you know, corporate spending and investment has, uh, has been weak. And we've seen manufacturing. In fact, you might even argue that manufacturing worldwide is in a recession. We've got a manufacturing recession. The question is... Mm -hmm. Uh, 35 central banks at this particular point have stepped in, led yep. by the Fed, not the Bank of Canada. Uh, interest rates have come down, right? There's this mini quantitative easing going on with bond buying and so on and so forth. Um, and will there be green shoots that come out of that? And that's a very mm. active debate right now. So, I, you know, I'm not sure we have the data to support one way or another, but there are some things that we need to be pondering as investors and as portfolio managers going into 2020, given the, you know, the strong results that we've seen this year. Absolutely. Okay, um, all of this stuff <clears throat> has to be um, put into a structure and into a strategy that supports specific goals. Okay, mm -hmm. um, so let's let's talk about that. I mean, in large part, when we do our monthly seminars, right? We're talking yeah. about. I mean, we're speaking to an audience that is transitioning to or living in retirement, but really, we're speaking about a framework of how to take all of this stuff, right, and structure properly. Given that we don't know what the outcome is going to be, there's no crystal ball that says with certainty what it is. Well, no, and I think you're right. I think the, the key word there is structure, right. and putting things into perspective. Right. Because at the end of the day, you got to look at things very carefully and say, right. um, you know, what if, what if things happen? And, and how, do you, how do you sort of view those things? It's not just about the investment anymore. It's about my lifestyle. Right. It's about, you know, what happens if um, I get sick or my spouse gets sick? What happens if my kids need something? There's, there's 18 million potential outcomes, yep. right? It's not just about pour it all in one bucket and call it a day. This is what's going to happen, and right. I'll live off the income. And hope's not a strategy. No, hope is never a strategy. Right. So let's talk about that. At, uh, we're gonna, well, we're going to talk about it at our upcoming <laughs> seminar, right? That we are. Um, we're going to do that at the Hamptons Golf Club in the Northwest mm -hmm. on Tuesday, January 21st at 7 p.m. If you'd like to join us, please give us a call at 966 uh, 8400 or register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Okay, terrific. Don't go away. We want to talk about um, uh, the options and how to prepare for caring for an aging parent that wants to stay at home. Uh, you're on 770 CHQR and more than money. 
Welcome back here with Dave and Andrew. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Uh, Andrew, you and I have personal experience around um, aging parents that required care. Yes. Right? And um, escalating care over the Escalate, know, over time. Escalating is a really good point because it, it's it's always in phases. Like it's it's easy at first and, yeah. you know, family can handle things. Yeah. Then you move up that chain a little bit. It becomes a little bit more not onerous but difficult for family members because now additional appointments additional other things come into mind and sometimes we just don't have the the time available with our busy family lives today as we'd like to yeah to take care of of um, um you know our aging parents or aging families well the fact of the matter is we're not we're not alone on that there's lots of people and we've got a demographic that is going to continue to age and require all of the you know all of this help and so yep. how do you make sense of all this stuff we have travis tinning joining us today he's the managing director of nurse next door he's going to help put some context around what can be done travis welcome to the show hey thanks for having me okay my friend i mean let's talk about this uh, give me some some perspective on um on how big of a problem this is today so we've got a, you're you're an aging person or you have an aging parent right most people i would say that we talk to given their preferences, would like to age in their home, right? Or with yep. the surroundings they're comfortable with and all of their things. Um, Travis, talk to me a little bit, of, uh, a little bit about that and, and what you see as, the, as our population ages and some of the problems here. Right. And, and I think in the intro, Dave, you, you nailed it. Um, you know, you, you have the insight to, you know, have said we're not alone in this. But what we see a lot is people, and generally the, the, the children of the aging loved ones, do feel alone. And they, they, they feel like there, there aren't the services out there to help them. And, and truthfully, as a society, we've been conditioned um, through, whether it's the, the medical system or not, we've been conditioned to, once we see mom and dad starting to have some challenges in their home, it's the, the, the light bulb comes on and it's like, oh, time to move into a facility. Right. When, when, when really, you know, that's, that's not the case. And... You know what we do know is, is seniors. I mean, they they fear they fear one thing over over almost everything else, and that's that's moving out of their home. Right. Yep. I mean, no. I mean, as you know, nobody nobody wakes up in in the morning and puts their hand up and says, "Pick me to to move into a retirement facility." Right. So, um, and there's a number of reasons for this. You know, one, um, their homes are, are really uh they're, they're symbol they're, they're symbols of independence and a sense of purpose. For, for the senior, yeah. um, you know, and then when you really dig deep and you ask the, the seniors or, or your aging loved one, um, you learn a couple more things. You know, one, they really feel that we, we infantilize or, or, or treat the elderly like, like children in, in the facilities. Um, and, and two, um, you know, that, that they feel that society has moved towards sort of valuing longevity over what makes a life worth living. Right. Well, one of the questions I sort of think is when when people move into, the, and I'm not suggesting we have to go to a facility, uh, Travis, right mm -hmm. off the bat, but but um, I think there's a lot of bit of a stag, uh, stigma around that, where people are are thinking, well, these facilities are 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 what they were 30 or 40 years ago, which were, right. were kind of bland and boring. Where where now it's a little bit more attractive. So you know, I think there's a little bit of fear that's on the senior as well as uh, as as what what children might be putting their kids into. Uh, but yeah. Travis, let me go down this path. Let's just assume mm -hmm. for a moment that a, a senior wants to age in place. I want to stay mm -hmm. in my own home for as long as I can. Okay, right. I want to understand and help our listeners understand a little bit about um, the process of planning for that, planning for that care, mm -hmm. and to the extent you can. And I know there'll be a range here, but you know, budgeting 
for that kind of care. How does it just walk us through how that looks and works? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 what we what we see a lot of there's well there's there's two um, there, there's two things we run into to quite a bit. And one is you know you have that that sandwich generation that is. Um, planning for their own retirement, mm-hmm. they are caring for their own kids. They um, they're working. They're you know the, the the husband and wife are both working, and then they're caring, trying to care for mom and dad uh, as well. And and planning planning really is is the key. I mean, you hit you, you hit the nail on the head there. And what it what planning can be, and what you need to actually think about before the financial is. Planning for your your own self care, planning for what it actually takes to care for an aging loved one, and right. I I will bet you there are there's thousands of people listening right now that did not understand the and and I'll say it the the sometimes the burden that that it can be on on someone's on on a, a caregiving daughter's life yep. for example yep. to yep. care for um, an, an aging loved one. So so planning to get a little bit of help. Um, especially in the beginning as you start noticing changes because that, you know, as a daughter or as a son, you're visiting, um, you know, you're visiting mom and dad and it's, you know, it's, it's once a week for, to help care for them. Then it's a couple times a week, then it's three times a week and it sneaks up on you. And then there's this epidemic that's, that's been created in, in Canadian society of a, that family caregiver burnout. And we're starting to see, yeah. um, we're starting to see evidence of that where, you know, diagnosed rates of depression in, in, in caregiving daughters. And I, I, again, I will bet you there are people listening to the show right now that are nodding their heads and going, oh my goodness. Yeah. So, so there's, there's planning for that. And then planning for the financial, it's, yeah, I mean, there's it, it does cost money to to keep mom and dad in in their home, just like it costs money to to go to a facility. And the the sooner that you can start planning for that, whether it's with mom and dad's finances or leveraging assets that mom and dad have, or you know, just contributing yourself, um, the better off you're going to be. Right. There's another impact, um, Andrew, and I suspect you had the same experience. So, uh, in my case. Uh, it's my uh, my mom is suffering from uh, dementia, and it mm-hmm. progressively gets uh, worse, as you know. And mm-hmm. the experience that my brother has, because he's with my mom in Edmonton, so I I handle her finances, and and my brother handles mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, most of the health care. And so he has this really, in some cases, very difficult experience of seeing our mom going through some things that you know yep. she would never have wanted my brother to have seen, right? As she deteriorates yep. in yep. her disease. And, yep. and beyond just the, uh, the cost and all those things that we're talking about, Travis, I think the emotional impact, you speak of that burnout, the emotional yep. impact that it sometimes has on my brother, I'll get a call from him, he's literally in tears, right? Mm-hmm. Describing an experience he's had that, you know. You it's sh- one of those experiences. I, 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 I've had that experience, yeah, Dave, it's and it's terrible. really, it's, it's terrible, but it's, it's that whole idea. I, I want to be able to hit the rewind button and erase that section. And erase that. That's exactly and right. And I totally Travis, understand. can I get, we're, we're going to quickly run out of time, so we've got a couple of minutes here. Um, yeah. So we so we talk about the planning, right? Um, the different mm-hmm. diseases have different impacts and different things, and they progress at different paces. Got it. Give us mm-hmm. a sense, though, as as um, as somebody is progressing down a path, and we can, if you want, pick dementia or whatever you like. Give us a sense of the kind of care. Like, when do you bring in next uh, more care? And then, what does it cost for you know the average Canadian if they want to stay in their home and they they do need some you know those basic living uh, items taken care of for them? What should they What should somebody budget? Yeah, no, it's, I'll, 
Budgeting really is a tricky one. I, yep, I, yep. I mean, only because of, again, you, you talked about every case is different. Yep, so, yep. you know, what I, what I would suggest is that people, you know, they, they, they go down the path of exploring the options of caring for their parents and see what, um, you know, what it looks like for their family budget and then decide what the, what the best course of action is. Right. But really, our, you know, our goal at Nurse Next Door is to provide services, both medical and non-medical, by the way, right. that, keep seniors, that keep seniors in their homes and create experiences that foster independence and reinvigorate that, that sense of purpose. Really, we, we promote well-being and, and, and happier aging. Right. And, 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 sorry, and, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Travis, part of what I, what I want to say is, is with the budgeting, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be exorbitant, right? You can get a little bit of help, right, versus, you know, you need just full-time care. There's a whole bunch of range of options here, and that's what I'm trying to get across to people. Uh, you need to educate yourself, um, you know, given yep. what we've been through, Andrew, and our own families, you need to educate yourself about how, how much help you need, what the emotional experiences you're having as a family. All of those things play an important role in that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really important to note that sometimes it doesn't take as much help that the right. family thinks to right. keep mom and dad at home. It's, right. It can be just a, you know, a visit or two a week, and that, that delays the, um, you know, the, the onset of moving to a, a facility or can, in, in a lot of cases, keep mom and dad you know, at home for, for years and years and years and years. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, as we run out of time here, what I'd like, Travis, is if somebody's interested in educating themselves further about whatever their specific situation is, how would they get a hold of you at Nurse Next Door? Yeah, nursenextdoor.com is, okay. uh, you know, you can go there and, and, and find out really any, any of the information that you'll need to know to, to book our care. Or I would invite them to, to call our office at 403-454-1399. Beautiful. Travis, thank you. We can't do justice in 10 minutes, my friend, <laughs> but Never. you did a good job of sort of raising some awareness around this, and I appreciate it. Good, guys. Happy to be on. Thank you. We're joined by Travis Tinning, Managing Director of Nurse Next Door, and uh, we've got a health bucket that we're going to talk about and how does it fit into the overall planning, right, and yep. uh, financial planning and lifestyle planning. That's at our upcoming seminar. Well, that is, and, uh, you know, not, not only that, profit and protecting, um, you know, how do you get yourself to and through retirement yep. really comes all together in one thing. Um, we're going to be doing that at the Hamptons Golf Club. That's on Tuesday, January 21st, 7 p.m. If you'd like to register a seat, give us a call at 966-8400 or at morethemoneyradio.com. Stick around after the break. We're going to find out why so many Canadians are not investing or investing effectively. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Andrew, and uh, you're on More Than Money on 770 CHQR. And, uh, you know, Andrew, when years ago when we put this show together, uh, when, when we were asked to put a show together, what, what we didn't want to do is just do another kind of finance show, lots of those kinds of things. We wanted to put an educational piece together, educate people about all manner of investing and uh, the issues and risks around that, and lifestyle. So just you know, beyond investing. But today we've got a terrific uh, guest uh, with us today, and it's going to further this notion of education for investors, and that's Kathy Engel. She's the Vice President of Strategy at IROC, and IROC is the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. That's our regulator uh, as industry guys. Uh, first of all, Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Well, and we love when you guys join us. Uh, as our national regulator, I think uh, you, you do a fantastic job of, of not only ensuring the protection for Canadian investors, but also uh, you take a very active role in educating people. And there was a piece of research uh, that you guys had done uh, recently and, and had published, and it caught, it caught our attention because it, uh, it would indicate maybe that um, there's a lot of Canadians who don't feel very confident um, 
investing, and it can be for a number of reasons, one of which is educational. But I'd like you to maybe just address that if you could, uh, just in the sense of how many Canadians um, you know, are not investing right now. Were you surprised by it? Absolutely we were. And what we heard, you know, probably the biggest thing that we heard from the research was that too many Canadians aren't investing today because they say they feel that they lack the knowledge and the confidence. And that's really important because we all need to help Canadians build financial stability. It's critical for the future of Canada's economy. And hearing directly from investors is really important to us. It's something we do regularly. And I can give you a couple of stats, quick stats for you from from the research. And so it's it's clear, as I said, that lack of knowledge and confidence present real barriers. 49% of the people we surveyed said that they don't invest today because they don't feel they know enough about it. So effectively, Hmm. they're taking themselves right out of the game before they even start. Right. Mm -hmm. 60% of them don't feel confident in their ability to make investment decisions. And over 60% again say they don't know what products and services are available or even where to go to get information and advice. And you know what's really important to this uh, for context is in this research, we surveyed what we call aspiring investors mm-hmm. for the very first time. And aspiring investors to us are people who say they're interested in investing, but they haven't started yet. And they made up about a quarter of the people that we surveyed. Yeah, and these are not young people either. No, no. And, and so what we learned about this group, the average aspiring investor is over the age of 40. They have a post-secondary education. Mm-hmm. Nearly half of them are in the workforce today. And really interestingly, I think almost a third of them are retired. Wow. But this is the group that say they're not investing. Right. And I you know, I think this is really concerning because Canadians need to know what advice and services are available to them. Well, because, you know, it stands to, sorry, I don't mean to... No, no, keep no, going. I, That's fine. Yeah, no, no. I, it, this is a conversation, but I was going to jump and I was going to say, you know, part of what I was thinking about as you were saying that when I was reading the research is um, with fewer and fewer defined benefit pension plans that people have access to, um, you know, it, it more and more the onus is put on individual Canadians to make some of those choices, those investment choices, whether it's even through a defined contribution plan or, you know, you're working with um, some some advisory channel or doing it yourself. So I was shocked by that number as well. It's critically important. I agree with you. And the more people that can access advice, the more they can then feel empowered to save and invest for whether it's their retirement Mm -hmm. or any other financial goal that they have. So this this was concerning for us, and I think there's a lot that you know many of us, many different organizations across Canada can do to help. Let's talk about that. Um, one of the other, so there's there's two sort of veins I want to go down here. We'll we'll talk about education. One of the other takeaways when I was reading through the research is uh, there was a number of people uh, of categories within the research that felt they couldn't afford advice, and I want to talk about that mm-hmm. as well. So one on the one hand, I'm perhaps paralyzed a little bit because I don't even know where to start or I'm not educated or don't feel confident enough to know where to start. And then the other is, well, if I don't and I want to engage somebody to help me with that, I don't actually think I can afford it. Let's start with educational because I think that's a, that's a key component where we can build confidence. People um, can learn about even the right questions that they need to be asking 
you know, our industry when engaging for specific services. So tell us a little bit about sort of IROC's um, um, uh, archive or library of material to help people get educated and build that confidence. Well, I can tell you that what I would say and what we would say at IROC is that advisors are actually, IROC advisors are the best place to start. Um, because IROC advisors have to go through education and training, and they have the knowledge and expertise to help. And it's, you know, that's the place where everybody should be asking every question that they possibly have, right? Yep. And being as open as possible about what they need and what they're concerned about. Yep. But if they're not connected to an advisor and want to learn more, you know, we really encourage people to check out our website which is www.iiroc.ca. We've got quite a few tools there that people can check out. And one of them specifically is called our advisor report, which will help them learn more about advisors that they might be considering working with right. or if they're mm -hmm. already working with one. But there's also all sorts of places that they can check out that have more information about education and financial literacy. And I think that's, uh, I think it's important, Andrew. I think um, individuals need to take some responsibility for this. I often talk mm. how deep you want to go, how much you want to learn, and if you want to be a do-it-yourselfer is a different proposition than if you want to educate yourself around what do I, you know, how do I understand what my goals and objectives are, as Kathy said. I want to be clear on what I need and then be able to just confidently ask the right questions to determine if you're with a, an individual or team that could do that. Well, and, and not to mention just looking at it like, a layman coming in looking at the, these numbers are they're quite shocking but right. i think for me it's it's looking at saying hey is it um because we're barraged by so many different potential channels that we could do it whether it be online or going in front of an advisor or doing something else um, um in order to grab grab the the knowledge and the the interest for some people to do that and of course the barrage of products that have come on over the last few years yeah and kathy just your comment on this because um when i talk to people um just in general terms uh there's a fear, there's a lingo that we use, and I suppose that's true in every, um, in every job, every career, but it can be intimidating, right? We've got to, as an industry, I think, do a much better job of learning to speak English to people about, you know, <laughs> you know what, they're, what they're asking about and, and how you go about achieving those things. But I would like your comments on, on you know, that, that industry responsibility that we have to actually make it understandable. I think that's a really interesting point. And, you know, back when I started in the industry, I, I was an advisor myself and yeah. lived that experience firsthand. And I can tell you at IROC, it's something we've been working on for quite some time. We've, we refer to it as our plain language yeah. uh, initiative, and we have spent quite an effort to try and simplify our rule book. Uh, for certainly investors, but also those we regulate, you guys mm -hmm. included, yeah. yep. to make it easier to understand, you know, what, what the expectations and the standards are. Right. And that's one way that IROC is, is working to do that, to make it easier for people. But I agree with you. I think everybody plays a role. We don't need to use acronyms all the right. time. <laughs> we don't need to try and make ourselves sound smarter. Right. It's mm -hmm. important to meet people where they are and have the real conversations that people are concerned about. 
Yeah, I think that's um, uh, that's such a critical part. We're, we're quickly running out of time, Kathy. It's very difficult to do these kind of big topics in 10 minutes, but I think we've you've done a terrific job of helping people understand a little bit about the role that the you as a regulator play and where you can get some resources, and that the industry is actually here to help, right? It's yeah. right from the regulatory perspective. We're trying to... Uh, educate people about what their options are. We're, tr- as, you know, the plain language, or as I say, speak English to people about their about their objectives and goals, and ensure that they're informed about their strategies, the good, the bad, and the ugly around what risks they're taking. All of that stuff is is incumbent upon us to uh, to do a good job there. Uh, I want to congratulate uh, IROC. You guys are doing a fantastic job, and I want to thank you for taking some time with us on the show today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. We've been joined by Kathy Engel. She's Vice President Strategy at uh, IROC, which is the uh, Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada, our regulator. Okay, my friend, um, we've got an upcoming seminar, and we do this every single month, and in large part it is an effort to educate investors, particularly people who are transitioning to or living in retirement, about how things change when you move into that withdrawal phase of your life and how you need to structure your portfolio to protect against shocks on the downside. Yeah, and that's coming up at the Hamptons Golf Club on Tuesday, January 21st at 7 p.m. If you'd like to register and visit, um, give us a call at 966-8400 or at morethanmoneyradio.com. Okay, stay tuned after the break because we're going to be talking about a very, very interesting problem. What if you just simply have too much wealth? You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with David Andrew on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, really interesting show today. Um, lifestyle pieces, financial pieces, crazy markets. I mean, it's yeah. it's got everything, right? It's a it's a Clancy novel all rolled into one, I right? Just the, call it a smorgasbord. Suspense is great. That's right. Now, okay, let's uh, let's let's bring it home because it was an interesting week, and um, one of the things that was a common theme, you know, when we were talking about the show. Uh, I thought you put this brilliantly. You said, let's talk about a problem that we're seeing. And the problem is, you just have too much wealth. Now, that seems like a really (laughs) odd comment, Dave, because, you know, as a financial planner, the first thing is to figure out, hey, do I have enough wealth and can I sustain the lifestyle I want? But, you know, there's a different problem here, and that's there's a lot of Canadians out there that have too much wealth. And that doesn't mean... They're multimillionaires. Right. That means that they have significant assets to fund their lifestyle, whatever that lifestyle means. Right. More than what they need. More than what they it's need. Just to fund the lifestyle, yeah. Exactly. And then they have a whole bunch of money or, or, or wealth that's going to be left aside either to the next generation. But there's a problem that comes with that. And right. one of the major problems, that, and, and there's a whole bunch of problems that come with that. First of all, you know, high five, you're, you're in that camp right. if, that's, if that's who you are. Um, but more importantly, we got to start thinking about some of the other challenges that you're going to have throughout your life with those uh, with that wealth and how you're going to move forward with it because we are seeing it more and more where people think you know they they they're going to spend but they're only spending x and they have y yep. and when that money moves on to it either moves to the next generation what does it go through first it goes through probate it yep. goes through the tax man. Yep. It goes through everything else, right. and then finally something comes out on the end. And, you know, that's just one of many things that happen. Well, I'll tell you about an experience I had. And so uh, we we put out an article on our uh, LinkedIn page. So you can connect with Faisal or myself on LinkedIn. And we did this piece on, you know, if you're helping, if you help your kids financially, are you really helping them, right? You create yes. problems. Okay. So that was an interesting uh, piece that we did. And then 
this week I, uh, I had an interesting conversation because it was about, it was with a gentleman, he uh, happened to be a farmer, farm family, and uh, it's now time to start thinking about how we're going to transition the assets to the next generation. And a couple of kids are actively farming, one wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, he's going, oh my, like, what do I do about this? Because I could, how do I protect the kids and so that they're not fighting at the end of the day? And how do I reward the kids that are actively farming? And how do I make sure that there's something, you know, fair for the, for the child that's not? And it was an interesting, right? This is only a problem you have if you just have too much. Yep. Right? So when we say too much, the initial reaction is, ah, that's not a problem. But it actually is a problem, right? And as you said, well, there's a number of angles here. No, but I, I, there is a number of angles. It's not just the tax, yeah. man. It could be transition to the next generation. Right. It could be, uh, you know, giving charities to your choice. It could be a whole bunch of things. Right. It doesn't have to be just that one thing. Right. Um, but let me take you through the sort of the, the complexity of this one. I mean, you and I, you and I talked about this, but it was, it was interesting, right? So when we we always say the word plan, well, you should do yeah. some planning about that. Well, what the heck does that mean, Dave? Right. Well. <clears throat> This was an interesting experience in the, because at the very end of this meeting, uh, this gentleman's comment was, this is the first time I've ever actually had a plan to do something about this. Okay, so what does that mean? How do you get from this place of confusion and fear and worry about having too much and ensuring that it doesn't destroy the family and yep. you know all those things to this place of saying, okay, I have a plan? Well, this is it's relatively complex, and I'm not going to go th- through all the details, but... You know, in essence, there's there's two farm companies involved. Then there's privately held land. There's yep. three children, two farming, one not, and they all have their own families. Okay, yes. you get the sense. So, how do we structure this thing? And when when we sort of gathered what the goals of this gentleman were, his wife um, has passed. What were the goals? The goals were to ensure something um, fair. Didn't mean equal in no. his particular case, but fair to all three kids. Ensuring that the um, uh, farmland was transitioned um, and stayed within the family. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you, you get a sense. There, were, there was a few more, but this is this is what we were trying to figure out. And uh, when the plan was when we all, when we put it all together uh, was actually an amalgamation of a couple of companies. It involved stripping out some assets into a new company, mm-hmm. and then uh, gifting assets in his lifetime to kids' companies. Right, and then um, tax planning in the future, mm-hmm. because there's now a bunch of money trapped in a corporation. How do we get it out to the next generation? So there was a series of steps, right? And it sounds it, it was a big problem. He was overwhelmed when we started, yep. because there's a lot of moving parts. But by the time we sort of worked through it, and it was just step by step by step, these are the things that you need to do. These are the tax implications. Here's the investment implications. Educating him about all of these things. And not only the education point, but when we talked about this, um, you know, leaving in a team dynamic. Right. This is what we suggest. Right. Now, let's go and vet this through your 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 tax accountant yep. and, and, and your accounting team and make sure we're on the same page. Right. And if it makes sense to them and it makes sense to you, then maybe this is the direction we need to go down together. Right. Um, versus this is how you should do it, this is why. So it was the collaborative plan and approach that drove this thing, right. um, which makes, you know, once again, as I said, if you have too much, you've just really got to spend some time to figure out what you're going to do with it, how you're going to do with it, right. and plan it appropriately. It just, just it, it, 
with us, it starts with the advisor, but it doesn't end there. Well, you know, we, we say hope isn't a strategy. <laughs> okay, if hope's not a strategy, what's the opposite of that? Well, peace of mind is derived through education and, and, and process, right? The yes. plan. That's ultimately understanding the steps you're doing and then executing on those steps, right? That's the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really um, interesting to watch the transition as this, this gent goes from this place of confusion and, oh, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do here, right? This is a mess to, okay. Now I've yep. got, I understand the steps we need to execute it. That's the plan. The plan ended, there's still a bunch of execution to do, don't get me wrong, but it ended with a peace of mind. Okay, mm-hmm. his comment. This is the first time that I've actually had a plan. I get it. Yep. Right? And it's based on his goals and objectives in this case, or his family's goals and objectives. So it was interesting, it was interesting to see, but I have to tell you, uh, we did have a chuckle in, in, in this particular meeting too because he was just a, he's just a good old-fashioned working guy. Yep. Right. All of a sudden, wakes up thirty or forty years later after putting his head down and working hard, and he's going, "Well, okay, I actually did pretty good, better than I thought." Yep. And then, uh oh, now I got a whole bunch of different challenges that I need to think about. Well, and those challenges are important with every family. Right. Um, it doesn't matter where it is, um, or or how much you have. It's it's a challenge of you know making sure that um, things are done appropriately. Now that goes to an estate question, but right. you know, challenges for every different way, whether it be a you know, single person, a family or not, it's 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 a challenge yeah. always. You had an interesting conversation also uh, with a gentleman. This yeah. it actually goes back in time. This is a sort of an um, takes you back to some uh, previous careers, a guy you used to know and but a similar kind of thing. You you guys I think it was last week you and Faisal were talking about or the week before about how to shift assets from one spouse to another properly so that income can now be shared um, and split and reduced taxes and so on and so forth. And, and yeah. he called you and he said, holy cow, that was a great idea. Nobody's ever talked to me about that before. Yeah. And, and you know, it's one of many ideas out there, right? But, you know, I always joke about it as a financial planner, we throw things on the wall like spaghetti and we figure out what's going to land, what makes sense, and, and right. if it resonates with whoever it is. Right. Um, and, and, you know, one of the key factors there is just saying, hey, this is a strategy that works for some, not for all. Yeah. But it works. And that's the thing. Get the objectives and then work backwards from exactly. that. Okay. Uh, we got to sign off here. We're running out of time. We've got a, a seminar coming up. Let's quickly remind everybody of that. Sure. Um, we're having a seminar on uh, Tuesday, January 21st at 7 p.m. at the Hampton, Hampton Golf Club. Um, so please give us a call if you'd like to join in. 966-8400. That's uh, 966-8400 or morethemoneyradio.com. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. We hope to talk to you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.